Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the SAP podcast, the world famous comedian based interview podcast of dating relationships and other worldly advice. As always, it is your boy Dave Neal and your girl Tasha Courtney. Hello. We are coming to you live from the epicenter of the pandemic of the coronavirus in Hollywood, California. They say this is the the worst place in the world to be right now. Yeah, we're the worst city in the worst country in the world. For- USA. Yeah, I, I mean, as of last week, they were saying like one in 80 people in Los Angeles has it and doesn't know it yet. So they're just spreading it around. So right now it's probably like one in 40. And that's part of the struggle, right? Is that it's like, come on, we're trying not to talk about this thing every week. But this is we're just this is just where we're at. We're, we have to talk about where we're at. And we decided not to travel for the holidays. And by the way, hello to all of our new people out there. There are some new people that have found us from the YouTube or the other locations. And uh, if you're listening on audio only, hello, good to hear you. You wanted me to turn your headphones down? Yeah, you're and just And if, you, if you are watching us from the YouTube, good to see you too. We're merging uh, people that like to listen and people that like to watch, two different types of people. You're either mowing the lawn or you're at work dodging whatever you should be doing. And this episode today is the 21st day in a row that I'm making Vlogmas videos. Vlogmas is a, uh, a vlog is a video blog. blog. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> old saying it. That's what it is. And Vlogmas it was something that was created a couple years ago by a fellow YouTuber as a way to have a good end of the year, a sort of YouTube uh, algorithm spike where you just made videos every single day. I think it's meant for single people. I think this is a single person activity when you don't have someone begging you like, hey, then yeah, we got to watch Survivor. But, um, <laughs> I but think I, I'm pretty sure it's the other way around. But well, so, so um, this episode is both a podcast Episode 421, I believe. You missed the 420 podcast. I, no one got high. We just did it. Um, but I've done the last few episodes solo because we've been so busy with our weekends getting all these other things done for Christmas. Holiday season. Just because we're not traveling doesn't mean we're not busy. I mean, it's definitely like, I don't know. It's it's weird. It's relaxing in some ways. And then it's like not relaxing in others. Because we're sort of having to pick up the slack, you know, knowing that we're not going home and we're not doing our usual Holiday traditions means that we're like having to fill that hole with like new holiday traditions. If we filled it all right, lots of (laughs) holes being filled. Not the good kinds, folks, just the uh, (laughs) mandatory. It always makes me wonder, though, do you think do you think like busyness is just something you decide to have or don't like like do you think you would run the race at the same speed no matter what you were doing in life? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I I think in general, like I prefer a slower pace, but it's true that there's like lots of things that get us excited and lots of things we want to get done. You've been doing Vlogmas. You've been making all sorts of like holiday crafts. and like If you're watching on the YouTube, you're looking at them right now. We we have a pine cone here that we collected (laughs) and used a glue gun and Tasha painted it with like, you know, a silver frosting and we made these really crafty. I mean, it's really stupid, but it's, it's been kind of a fun, like, I feel like we've I feel like this year we've stripped away a lot of the BS and we've kind of made it what I think it's it is as a kid. Arts and crafts, dumb cookies, cookie, a ton of sweets, Starbucks, holiday coffees. I mean, we really the the one Our thing tree. What, the what we got a Christmas tree. I mean, the one thing that I thought this year would be if I did Vlogmas was an excuse to be like, let's go search for pine cones today. And it and it was never about like 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 you said before, we have a we have a pine tree in our front yard. 
where we could have found pine cones, but instead we scavenged around LA and we went to a arts and crafts store. And it really was a good excuse to, to be sort of kids. Like we're adults. We're in our thirties. Yeah. You know, we could have just been like the a-holes waiting in line to go buy our brat kids. The we famous toy. We could have toy. ordered a tree on Amazon pre-lit, <laughs> pre-decorated. I'm pretty sure you can get those. Yeah. Like we can, we can make Christmas, whatever we want to be. We can have whatever kind of Christmas we want. But it is exciting when we have a little bit more free time this year. I mean, obviously, there's still always stuff to be done, but we have a little bit more time this year because we're not traveling. We, you know, we were able to be able to like... To do things that money couldn't buy. Like money can buy a lot of things. They always say like, you know, money doesn't buy happiness. It's like, well, it buys you out of debt, okay? Like so money can be good. It can be, it can, it can be used in your advantage. But we we have experiences from this Christmas that money couldn't buy. When you were on the, uh, an episode of Vlogmas a couple days ago, I had Channing over and we did a holiday, holiday, uh, alcoholic beverages. We taste tested the different beers that you can get at Trader Joe's. There was a peppermint patty, patty stout, a winter, um, double Bach, all these different beers. And I asked Channing before you came up to the roof, I said, what was your favorite Christmas memory. And he was like, oh, I don't, I don't remember things. And I was like, I bet you I could jog your memory real quick. And I brought something up and he goes, oh yeah. So like he had all these memories of growing up in Christmas. And I said, what was your favorite one? And he said one year he came downstairs and all he, like his like cousins, I think were all, they were all celebrating Christmas together and they all got bicycles and they were all lined up with their own stocking on the bicycle. Your That's eye, cool. Your eyes are lighting up. And I was the same way where I was like ready to cry. I'm like, this sounds amazing. Like what, as an adult, what would you pay to relive those moments? And whatever the kid felt, whatever Channing felt, I'm, I'm sure his parents felt double that because they get to watch their kids go oh my gosh I got that they're bike. so happy to be able to give that to them to give them that experience that time spent with their cousins with their family yeah and you know what Channing said that that um and again if you haven't watched this go watch that vlog because people did comment they were like oh it's really cool you shared that story because you know with these vlogs you can get zippy and zappy and you want to make them as quick and, and as possible but sometimes you can't replicate like a good story and for him to tell that story, he was saying basically he didn't realize that his parents were kind of poor back then and that they've gained money over the years and Christmas has become bigger and better. But you don't realize like your parents are young. My mom was a single mom at one of my favorite Christmases. And I, even as a kid, I don't know how she pulled it off because she was in her, she was in her twenties with two kids. We come downstairs, we're in our new matching pajamas. I have like a scarf on and a winter hat. You know, as a kid, Christmas morning, you just start putting on clothes that you got for Christmas. <laughs> I've got a fishing pole in one hand. I'm running around. It's Christmas morning. And you know, you have like the big fluffy slippers. I'm slipping and sliding. And I had a hockey stick and I just had literally everything I was holding on to and none of it like I needed, but it was just this fun cool moment where and again it's not about the but it's not it's not materialistic it's like you've stripped away all other responsibilities you're not late for school you don't have a project due your mom's not worrying about her sales quota you're just hanging out and and having a coffee too often in society we just like save that for christmas day and again every morning can't be christmas it's a special occasion but it was really cool to hear channing's story about that how he said we all lined up we all got our bike and then we all went biking through town did you did you, did you hear this part no i didn't yeah they all went biking through town and that was the thing that stuck with him so it wasn't necessarily the the bike which was nice but the bike was the literal vehicle that got him to this experience he now remembers as an adult and i think that's that's kind of like what i think 
sums up Christmas for all of us is that, you know, remembering the aunt or uncle or someone we got to bond with because, you know, you got to play with toys and how many adults don't get to play with a Nerf gun until they're setting it up for their, you know, their kid. And, you know, it's like we, we kind of struggle, I think, with looking past the, the little things in life. And this Christmas for us has been a good example to like slow things down. Like we mentioned, we're in a chaotic place. You know, all the things that have kept us busy on this hamster wheel of life, pause it, done. All we can do is go put our masks on, get ready. I mean, we were in a Starbucks and there was a little girl with her mask on waiting outside, holding the dog as the mom was inside to get the thing. It's like, you don't notice those things in normal, normal life, but 2020 has provided us with this very strange gift of appreciating the moment. You know what I mean? Like, what do you remember as a kid growing up? Like, like I know you mentioned you're uh, getting that, um, uh, battery powered Jeep, you and your yeah, sister. Yeah, the Barbie Jeep. But did you ever, did you, as a kid, were you ever able to look at like your parents and see the cracks in the ice? Or did you just look at them as like they were like demigods? Oh, no, definitely. I definitely remember times in my family where, you know, especially around the holidays. And this is one of the things that really has been a blessing. Well, first the invention of online shopping, but secondly, having like a slower pace this year, uh, uh, planning my mom, like a lot of the responsibility fell on her shoulders as I think it does for many women, like trying to put Christmas together. And, uh, I, she would get so stressed. She would just get so stressed almost every year. Because of the expectation to make everything perfect? To make everything perfect. And you noticed this as all a the kid? Gifts. Yeah, absolutely. Even the extended family. I, you know, I know that she, like, felt a lot of stress trying to buy uh, gifts for, like, my cousins and, you know, not knowing, like, sizes and what people want. It's just a lot of coordinating, I think, especially when all the kids are young, when all of my cousins are young, you know, like... Talking to the parents, what do they need? So she's a she's a she's a full time working mom, and she's got to go to brick and mortar stores, run all over town, try and find something that a kid's gonna like, but on a budget, a good deal. Uh, But yeah, I I just know that the holidays were a very stressful time every year. But then the the day is magical, and and. Christmas Eve is magical and the time spent with uh, family is magical. That was, I mean, that's why those traditions I think are still like so strong to this day is because like all the stress of December is, is worth it when you get two days of, of perfect. You have that three hours from opening the presents before you have to throw out the you know, wrapping paper or in your family, it refolded up perfectly. <laughs> My family, we burn it in the fire, light a fire. You know, you're, I'll tell you what, your mom's very thoughtful with her gifts. I wasn't going to do this, but we, I think, you know, we should just pull out this gift that your mom, I, I, Careful, uh, hold it. just hold sent it to us. Steady. Oh my gosh. If you're not, if you're on the audio, go to the YouTube and watch this. This is a, um, Here, I'll call right this there. A, right there. A 20 inch. Oh boy. Whoa. Oh, and I almost spilled my Diet Coke. This is a 20 inch bourbon Christmas tree. <laughs> this is a Christmas tree with, um, we call these nips where I come from. Yeah. Should I put one in my Diet Coke? No. Would, would you have some bourbon in your tea right you, now? Uh, we have a, we have all this bourbon to drink. Yeah, but let's not no, do it. No, no, I no, can't. No. I'm sick to my stomach already if right I now. If I open half, will you drink the rest later? No. Okay, so we've got I a mean, lot of... I mean, you can do whatever you want. But. All right, well, which bourbon would go with the Diet Coke? I don't want to use a nice one. That's a Fireball. That's a whiskey. Fireball is the only whiskey. Jim, anyway, 
point is, is Tasha's mom knew we wouldn't be celebrating Christmas with her family this year, so she went out of her way to um, get us a Christmas tree with How a bunch of Kentucky of this bourbon. is an idea of this, though. She just saw the little tree, like, on sale at Kohl's or something and and made these little nip ornaments. Okay, I'm going to drink this one. What this is, is it? This is Cooper's Craft Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Um, I'm going to open it up right now. See, you uh, uh, upset the balance of the tree by removing one of these uh Well, I just got um, fake snow in the in the uh, <laughs> the mixer here. So let's do this. Oh, boy, that's strong. That's going to put some hair on my uh, shaven chest here. going to need my Manscaped. Uh, okay, I'll put a little bit of my Diet Coke there. Hey, you know, Let you got to smell it. Yeah, smell it. That's a good one. Yeah, so every year we normally go back to Kentucky and uh, we'll go do a, um, a, a uh, distillery tour, like a wine tasting. We go to the different bourbon distilleries. They have what's called a bourbon passport. Yeah, it's a strong one. I'll take the lid. Yeah, you want to just chug it? Honey. Tasha was a little buzzed today. We I had, had a, a whole white claw. <laughs> you ever have an accidental booze fest? We had an accidental booze fest today, dropping off holiday presents to uh, some friends and family. And they were like, uh, you want a beer? And I had that moment where I go, no. And then he asked me again, you sure you don't want a beer? And I go, ah, give me a beer. I don't know if you knew and this, Tasha. You can't say no. And three beers later. You can't say no to a beer twice. I said no the first time. He asked me again. I said, load him up. And the next thing you know, we're in a, he's got a kegerator in the backyard at a very nice place, a very nice outdoor uh, bar in his backyard. And and also, and again, we're not giving anyone's location away here, but they had an, they had what I would call an adult. Well, you can't leave that there. I got the cross camera. Well, I can't see you. So you're just right, well, going to have put, to put I'll it I'll just back put it back. There. So we're going to put the, Chris, the bourbon Christmas tree back. But they had, they had just, I, I asked them, I said, is there anything during the pandemic, these are our friends of ours, I said, is there anything during the pandemic that you, you'll look back on as sort of a moment where you were able to appreciate, you know, something that happened this year? And he said, yeah. He said, this year they built a treehouse. And sure enough, they had a treehouse that I would say is a would be a large portion of our full apartment <laughs> and they built this like pressurized like kitchen tree house and then after a beverage or two we walked up there it's fully lit up with like nice edison light bulbs or whatever those light bulbs are called they had a tv up there so we're playing music they had a power source up there and he's a teacher so he does a zoom classes up in his tree house and i'm like that's how you take a pandemic and make it work in your favor that's how make you parlay lemonade out of lemons for yeah. sure pivoting yeah he pivoted Parlayed. He took whatever energy it was. He moved to the side. He dosy doed, and he swung it back in the other direction. And that's kind of—I mean, again—I don't mean to make light of people that you know. We've had a handful of past podcast guests that have gotten COVID, and you know, and, and not had an easy time of it either. Not has, you know, not yeah. And it's—it's it's not to make light of all of that, but it's—it's it's to say, well, look, I mean, it, and it's just a weird year, and. Uh, you know, it's been an emotional roller coaster for everybody. I keep seeing articles about like how to, how to manage your mental health during the holiday, the pandemic holidays. And it's like, yeah, we could, we could all use a little guidance in this area. And there's no, no one has it figured out yet. No one's done this before, but we're doing the best we can. But you know what causes a lot of issues with people like wishing they were somewhere else or, you know, cause we, I know you, I know we're going to have this Christmas morning. We're going to FaceTime with both of we're our gonna families. We're going to be really sad. Well, I think you're going to be more sad than I am. I've already had to cope over the years that I don't do Christmas with my my mom and stepdad and them so much anymore. But this will be your first ever, right? Away from your parents? No, I, I spent a Christmas in Korea. So in Korea, what did you do to 
not be sad on Christmas Day. I mean, it was still sad, but I did what I could uh, with the other models that were overseas. Um, you you know, ate uh, sticky buns? <laughs> we, well, we went to Starbucks a lot uh, during like the holiday season and got the ho- holiday beverage. It's funny how Starbucks is such a staple that it's like almost a comfort, especially for an American, I guess. I say the same thing. Because Starbucks the is the same all over the world. So we could go and get our, uh, you know our peppermint mochas with soy milk or whatever. Um, but we went to a Starbucks in, I think, Beijing on our layover, and I don't think they had the same menu. I mean, I guess they probably have most the same and then a couple... Yeah, the basics you're going to get. The basics. And, and, you're, and you know they're going to have non-dairy milk options. So you were in Korea with other models also missing their family. Yeah, and so, you know, for those of us that, like, we... I think we all kind of knew it was going to be a different year and it was going to be a little somber, but we, we like got some little small gifts and exchanged notes and you know, it was Did you cry probably, I don't remember, Yeah, but you know, it was a little sad. It was a little different, but it ended up passing like any other day. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, you know, it's still only 12 hours of daylight or whatever it is. I always said that my first Christmas away from family was in Prague with a bunch of friends and it was one of the best times of my life. But I also wasn't alone where I had the chance to ruminate over missing everything. Like, sure, I, w- I was, like, missing my family. They were all, like, around Christmas dinner. I called them from a payphone. I had one of those, you know, calling cards. You call the card or whatever back in the day. And But at the same time, I was calling them from the lobby of the nightclub I was partying at with good, fr- like, guys that I had become good friends with. So the camaraderie with them was enough to overcome. And I think that's what, like, with you and I, it's like, we're going to miss our family, but at the same time, We've been so busy all of the Christmas season doing good Christmassy things that I think, you know, we can miss them, but it's not going to, I don't think we've wasted any time uh, not getting into the Christmas spirit. It's just a weird year. Yeah. I feel like we've done, that was, I mean, we talked about this at the beginning of the month, even before Thanksgiving, because we knew we weren't going home for Thanksgiving either. We, we have known pretty much since the summer that we were not going to go home for the holidays this year. And, uh, you know, we expressed like, here's how we're going to do the holidays and here's how we're going to make sure that it's really special. And I feel like we did all of the things on our list. You know, we, we said, we're going to get a real Christmas tree. We said, we're going to make some Christmas cookies or whatever. We've got loads of sweets. You know, I, I think we really spent from Thanksgiving on like a lot of time, like taking advantage. We've got lights up all over our apartment. We've never decorated the apartment like this. Yeah. It's really nice. It's nice to like put on a Christmas record and and watch every Christmas movie under the sun and put lights up everywhere and just like really get in the Christmas spirit. Yeah, the house has always been something we just abandoned for the season. So, yeah, I mean, eventually, like we've been talking about, just about building new traditions and knowing that like, look, we'll see our family soon. And, you know, it's not... I mean, I know a lot of people who listen are either living away from their family. Sometimes you make it home for Christmas. Sometimes you don't. But we're all kind of spread apart. I, I feel more bad for the people that don't have close connections with their family in the first place. And what I would say, just this is just a blanket advice to the to the one person who's listening that this might resonate with. But like, use this time to patch things up, and use the use the Christmas season as an excuse to you know, maybe just apologize or, or reach out with an olive branch to anyone in your family that you have, um, you know, unfinished business with. We're too busy, even with our family. Family is the only people we talk to in a way that's so abusive. 
if you would only talk to your family the way you would talk to a barista at Starbucks, you you know, you wouldn't have issues. But we just, we, and again, not everyone, but in, in some cases, we get too friendly with how we feel and express our feelings to our family that we don't follow the normal rules of society. And that can lead to, you know, infighting. And that happens, you know, everyone talks about over Thanksgiving and politically speaking with your family, you're just not going to always agree on anything, but you know, you got to know who's going to go to bat for you. And, and I, I, again, this is far from my world, but I I have friends that just don't talk to people that are like their moms or their kids or their siblings. And it's like, what could possibly be that, sort of much of a wedge in your life that you that you have to like abandon the proper communication with the closest people well you're also uh forgetting that like some people you know i I think you've got to leave it up to people to be able to discern whether or not that's like a viable option for them to be able to like smooth things over or even if they want to because not everyone has wonderful parents the way we do um you know some people are raised by narcissists some people have you know real problems like real fractures in their family that will never be repaired and maybe don't they don't want to have repaired no it's a good point and and, and it's a good point that sometimes you're bet you're you have to take care of your own health first and that's something that you know you can only you can only like help other people so much but you know a lot but a lot of issues i mean it, it, it comes back to like home alone. We've watched every Christmas movie over this year. And it's funny when you watch Christmas movies from from like long time ago. Like Home Alone's an old movie. We're old, right? And you look at it and you don't even remember half the stuff. And like the you know Kevin's neighbor, right? Kevin McAllister is, you know, 9-10-year-old Macaulay Culkin, 8 whatever ten, whatever his age is, right? And he's giving advice to the neighbor, the old man who the neighbor doesn't want to talk to his son. Because his son's well, moved on. A, they had a fight many years ago and they haven't spoken since. Basically, they're estranged is the story. But there. how common is stuff like that where you're like one little thing drives a wedge and you go, oh, I'll call him next time. And you know what? It's just like the war of art. We talk about resistance. You resist the things that you love. You resist writing the new screenplay. You resist cleaning your room. You resist things that are important into your life. It's never something passive. So for, for, for the Home Alone story, fictional, the neighbor, this old man, resisted making up with his dad, making up with his son. And that might've been spoiler, one of the best parts of the movie. And as a kid, it goes right over your head. It goes right over your head. But, but then you watch the movie and it really is a flawless movie. You watch it in, you know, as someone who like, you know, really appreciates like a, a movie with a beginning, middle and end, all of the pieces come together. The bad guys are caught. They've, you know, they're on their way out. Kevin and his mom have sort of, you know, reconnected and appreciated themselves. Everyone in the family's loving. And then Kevin looks out the window and he sees his neighbor hugging his adult son and and his granddaughter his or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And you go, Jesus, like, I mean, to even think that someone can write down a story that's fake and and produce it. And I know it's fake. And, and I'm watching that, even retelling it. I'm like, this is so special. But it's special because we all have like something like that inside of us that's unresolved. So we have this basic thing as humans, you know, the world, the technology boom, everything's easy. You're going to ride scooters and TikTok and this and that. But you know, what's not easy is having uncomfortable conversations. Right. That's it. What's not easy is admitting if you've done something wrong. Have we evolved as quick as technology? Technology can patch in on FaceTime. It can do this and that. But can you just say you're sorry and you 
want to hug your dad? And in some cases you can, but that's something that no downloading Instagram or whatever is going to solve for you. The ability to look at something and go, my ego is preventing me from loving deeper and I need to tell this person I love them. That's really, I mean, you'll watch grown men and we, we, we watch it all the time. We just finished the season of survivor. Right. And of course on like the, and this is an old, this is an old season we were watching on Netflix, but um, you know, it's the semifinals. It's like they're down to the final four people. They've only been, they've only been on this Island for 30 days. It's not like it's been a year and a half, 30 days into the thing. And everyone who's in the survivor, the final four, they have a loved one comes to visit them. They immediately all melt down crying because they get to see someone they love. Yeah. And we take that for granted in so many ways. Yeah. It's interesting to see how much like, um, humans are able to endure when they must, right? These people are living on like a spoonful of rice a day in the middle of nowhere, dealing with scheming and manipulating and lying and fighting and, and, and physical challenges and mental challenges. And then you, you see what happens when their loved one comes to the island. It's like a trust happens. They go, oh, this person's not out it's to like get me. It's like they finally, like, yeah, it's like a weight Someone gets lifted off circle. of their shoulders and they just have a moment of relief and they can have a candid conversation. And it's like, wow. Yeah, to think th that, that that emotional release is what happens after you've been, like, on guard. And isn't that every, days. isn't that the beginning of Love Actually, the movie where everyone, where they just observe people at the airport you know, I hugging don't each other. No, because I haven't seen it in a few years. Well, we'll watch it, but I'm pretty you sure. You want to watch it tonight? We, let's watch it tonight. But that's the movie, right? I think it's old actually, but it's every movie where it's like you're watching people hug each other at the airport. You don't need context. You don't need backstory. You watch a military dude come home and his dog kicks him over, having his <laughs> kids there, and he, everyone's the tree that's falls. It's an instant tearjerker. It's a tearjerker. That's you a universal. Understanding we watched it on love. The Bachelor this last week where one of the contestants, his brother, um, the contestant's name's Ivan. He's top four on The Bachelorette. He's been quarantined in Palm Springs, hasn't had any contact with his brother. And his brother comes and surprises him. And his brother had been in jail and he struggles with addiction. And you just see the love. And again, nothing on paper you just feel it. You feel this wave of emotions and you go, if these, if this wave of emotions can overcome me through the internet or through the TV, how real is that? And like you had mentioned with Survivor, you've got basically people, you've got the, the human body. It's crazy, right? It, we live in Los Angeles. It's a warm climate. Our blood is thinner than when I used to live in Boston. I get cold easier. The body adapts to the environment. You know, you lose weight. If I start working out again, I get more bone density. The body says, oh, we need these bones to be stronger because you're carrying heavier things. You know, you go in the water, you get little wrinkly feet to get better <laughs> traction on the stones or whatever the heck the biology is. But it's all these things. It's one after another. I don't know what goosebumps do. Maybe it used to, we used to have hair, so the hair would go it stand. It your, your skin up so the heat can't escape. That's what goosebumps are for? Yeah. See, I didn't know that. I don't know why I get hard nipples. I don't know what boners are. For. I don't know all of it, folks. But the point is, is that we see it on a physical level and we don't deny what that is. So why don't we feel it always on an emotional level? And it's got to do with some sort of systematic survival technique to not show emotion. But I think we're approaching a place in society where showing that emotion is the survival technique. Showing the ability to love, 
to let go, to feel things, to express them to others, to not harbor bitterness. And what we always look for every year, you know, the end of December comes around and we go, what are we going to do to become better people for next year? And there's always like, well, you got to lift more. I need to do more planks. I'm eating too much sugar. Of course, that's all true. But also not just what we put into our body, but what we put out of our body is what's important. How do we how do we get out of our body the toxic thoughts, the ruminating, the feelings of self-hatred? You know, we've all got different things. I feel like I I have my own sort of, like, like if I could just speak for you, you <laughs> tell me if I'm wrong. Go ahead. I feel like you have, you, have, you have self-hatred in your own way. You can't look at a photo of yourself without going, well, this fucking bitch over here, you know what I mean? It's like, what the hell? And I have that same way when it comes to like feeling certain feelings of inadequacy. You know, we all just kind of, it comes out of us and it like for you, you, you place a lot of value on, and again, as a woman in society, society has told you to place value in your looks and certain things. So like, God forbid you walk by the mirror and it's not what you want it to be. You might feel self-loathing and that's not healthy, but I do the same thing when I'll go through Instagram and see some comics book in a stand-up show. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm an asshole because I'm not on that. And it's like, yeah, instant. I, you know, I think everybody feels this way from time to time. I also am, disappointed in myself for like you know not being able to like regulate my feelings necessarily because I tend to feel a lot of anxiety I got like really worked up over things that are out of my control and most of the time pretty trivial but like for some <laughs> reason you know my limbic system is very sensitive and uh you know all of those things are frustrating I want to be more focused I want to be more driven I want to be more um I want to have like better concentration but do you think wanting more focus and concentration is another way that you hold yourself to too high of a standard sure totally i mean uh, petra colbert talks about that in the perfection that you, detox. that you just you're 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 what that you're getting frustrated when you lose focus well that it's almost like a what's the word like um a snowball effect like you know one little thing that's like uh out of sync right or like an expectation that's off leads to um more uh criticism self-criticism more self uh disdain and like it, it spirals into a bigger thing i've read this article and i i want you to read it i want to do a proper episode on this article where we take the other gender's point of view but it was written by a woman and it and it was basically about how we need to do a better job of delegating tasks to the men because it's not necessarily that they don't want to do the tasks. It's that it's that society has let women be more perfectionists. So like if you take you, you, you want things done a certain way and you, and, it, and you, you're the type that's rather, you'd rather do the book report by yourself. Than, it than frustrates me to have to like uh, micromanage somebody. It frustrates me to like delegate the task and then see it done like not right or sort of half but what if But what if over time you get better at letting someone like me grow into something and, you, and you're able to not live with this um, sort of like benchmark that's so high because what in this article and again we'll we'll do a full episode on it because it's really cool but what the article says it's like it's not that guys don't want to do the things that lead to emotional labor it's that their their woman just like takes the ball from them and says no 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 let me do it no 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 let me do the christmas cards and, and the examples were um it was the emotional labor of being a mom and they worked it into like you know, we don't have a kid. We got a dog. We don't have a kid. But if I had to dress that dog for school every day and everyone was judging how I dressed it, you would be like, Let, let's take the dog out of it. So if we had a kid, the idea was like that, like 
you know, if I dressed her, it would never be good enough for what you, I wouldn't notice the wrinkles. There would just be certain things that just don't live up to your standards. So it's like, you know what? Let me just dress the dog, the, the kid. So the idea behind it was, was not blaming women, but saying, okay, it's not just emotional labor. Men are bad. Women are good. It's learning that there has been sort of a, a bar set to a certain level of like, of sort of perfection that is simply unattainable for certain types of people. Like I always say, well, I, I, listen, I've had this conversation so many times and I kind of had it recently with my mom, the nature versus nurture situation um, about uh, what was this? I'm trying to think how it got brought up in the first place. I think it had something to do with like schoolwork or, um, managing schoolwork, my brother versus he has two older sisters. Right. Um, and my mom and I were like, well, is this a gender thing? Is, is this an individual personality thing or is this, um, like a societal thing? Because there, I don't know that there's necessarily that there have been studies done, but I think that there is, a. Maybe an idea in society, which means it's probably relatively common that girls, girls from a young age are held to a very high standard, right? They're told they're more likely to behave in class because they're told that that's what a good girl does, right? Whereas boys, uh, rowdiness is excused with a sort of boys will be boys. Leadership versus bossiness. Right. So there's a lot of societal stuff that happens from the time you're teeny, teeny, tiny that affects your, uh, the way you internalize, like how, how your personality is developed based on your, like, your own reflection, right? But do you think that, do you think you've got the, that society imprint on you or do you think you were just in your DNA meant to be a perfectionist and your skill is I the detail? I absolutely believe that society aided me into becoming this person that I am. Do I think it's 100% society? No, I think it's a mix of both. I mean, I think that that makes the most sense. Some people are destined to be messy and some people are destined to be clean. But if from a young age, you are told that you are a, cr a crummy girl, if you're messy, well then gosh darn, you best believe that you learn right away how to keep things tidy. Do you remember any instances of shame growing up where you naturally didn't fit into a, a the box that was supposed to for a young woman? Um, I don't remember feeling a whole lot of shame. I think I'm lucky. Like slipping in school? Was there ever instance where you get a bad grade and you don't want to tell your mom because you're going to feel shame because you were supposed to be perfect in that class? I cheated uh, <laughs> on uh, how comes, to folks. spell orange in probably the first grade. <laughs> My friend Candace told me. Candace? Yeah, because so there you was were... no way I was going to get anything bet, wrong on I my spelling test you cheated a lot absolutely not i no. bet you cheated what you that's, did <laughs> the reason i remember it is because it's like the one time i cheated orange. in my life i didn't know how to spell orange <laughs> and the orange i'll never forget it um how did you spell it i just wasn't sure i hadn't studied and i wasn't sure how to spell it oh you must have been stressed out um <laughs> that's funny no but I, I i don't think that i had a whole lot of feelings of shame from doing wrong but i think i was also just one of those kids who was very observant and noticed other people's shame right are you afraid to be wrong are you afraid are you afraid to be to ask a stupid question 
Uh, I mean, not, not around me because you've got, no, you've got comfort, but no, I don't think so. I, you know, I was lucky that I grew up in a house. My mom and my grandma were both teachers. And so I think they encouraged like a lot of, and I, I just always, I naturally did well in school. The only time I didn't do well was, uh, starting around fourth, fourth grade or fifth grade, fifth grade, fourth, fourth or fifth grade math. I did not do well. Oh, your, well, your and math is I horrible. Got, Don't ever want to get a tip from Tasha. She's going to, she's going to guess. You're she's so going to give you a tip with a question mark on it. You're so full of it. But <laughs> starting sixth grade, I got myself, I had a very good math teacher in sixth grade and it completely turned it around for me. And I excelled in math after that. But I think I never was, uh, I didn't see, this is why you always call me autistic because I like, <laughs> oh, that sounds horrible. Yeah, I, you are on the spectrum <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right in folks. I, I don't think I felt a whole lot of feelings of, I mean, I felt shame when I knew I was doing poorly around fourth grade in math for sure. But I don't think I was ever embarrassed to raise my hand and, and ask a question. And if I knew I needed more explaining, because I knew that the answer was right on the other end of that. But what we, what we look for, like as adults, for me is like, I look for laughter. I look for being goofy. You always like, and again, you're not, but you're not afraid just to turn it around. You're not afraid of not trying a joke because there's a chance it might not land yeah but i never i was never told i never had this fear of rejection like growing up in this in in the sports i played i've just what for whatever reason i was always gravitated to the position that makes me fail pitching quarterback um stand up it's always built on failure all everything in baseball is built on failure you're gonna you've seen me fail on that mound where I can't get out of it until they have to pull me out of the but, game. You know, it's interesting because all success is built on failure, right? No one, no one ever succeeds at anything their first try. Or, I mean, they might with dumb luck, but when we're talking about like building a life where you've a- achieved quite a bit, you know, you're standing on top of this mountain of success. People don't, people don't get to the top of the mountain of success by only succeeding by only getting things right they get to the top of the mountain of success with thousands of failures and that's and the problem with social media and trying again is you normally only see the final success product whereas like with comedy you go look i if you if you told me all right this joke's gonna be really funny but you got to go bomb 25 times in a row i'd go well let's get those 25 out of the way now don't get me wrong there's been times like when i when i took that gig in portland I was uh, hosting. I think I paid more for my airplane because Spirit Airlines messed me up. Oh, they got me good. They it, oh because you know if you didn't buy the the checked bag, you know, two weeks beforehand, you it cost like seventy bucks or whatever. They got me bad, so I knew I was losing money. I'm sharing the room with Jay, who's so grateful to bring me on the his his weekend of comedy. But the audiences were tough. And I didn't perform well, but I set this bar so high for myself that I couldn't possibly succeed. And I was like, why am I being so hard on myself when all of stand-up is built on looking like the cool guy who doesn't give two shits? And yet there I am being like, I got to do so well. And so my own perfection in that moment decreased the likelihood that I would even do well. And it, and it was all, and I, and I learned that like yeah, by the last you're, night, you're holding on to expectations and you're holding on to results. I mean, everyone knows that you have a better time when you let go of your expectations and you just let it go. How it goes. That's like that creative flow. We talk about where like when you're in the moment, you're not worried. And a lot of times with like any Olympic sport, whether it's gymnastics or like the snowboarding, if you, if you like have a good early round, 
then you can mess around on your final take because you oh, I already got the good one. And that's how it like with people that shoot their comedy specials. Oh, I had crushed my first set. So I was able to stay loose. And the second set was even better. I got to do some weird stuff. And that's or like auditioning. We talk about this in Hollywood all the time. You always book the roles when you got so much other stuff going on already you that you care. didn't even want to go to the audition because you don't need it. It's what gets you laid. It's what gets like I always say, if you're having a hard time with the women or the men or whatever it is, date around, meet up a whole bunch, work on yourself and don't put too much weight into one thing and then the right thing will show up because you won't be needy you won't be desperate so of course all those things so yeah i mean i've had to learn i've had to learn to be okay with failure in a lot of different ways and and realize that just getting up there and taking swings but the true failure in my life is like when i don't when i don't spend the time preparing and then and then i fail i go this one was on me and i've had a few of those moments where i where where i'll bomb on stage and i'll go this one felt worse than normal because i let yourself down. I didn't get to where I needed to be to train for that moment. It's like if you lose a 5K, but you train hard, fine. But if you lose a 5K and you were messing around for three weeks, well, that one's on you. You knew what was coming up and you didn't prepare right. And I've, and, and that happens here and there. And I go, that that one stings way worse uh, for me. But, you know, the expectations you set on yourself, it's like, you know, I o- I'm always looking at the things like that, that are toxic, like my age, where I am against my peers we we went and hung out with some nice people today and i'm like uh, they're farther along than i would have been that's and you go and, and it's toxic and it doesn't get you any closer to your goals so there's a difference between like they always say like if you want to be a millionaire you know the chances of being a millionaire are much higher when you have friends that are millionaires so like surround yourself and that's kind of might sound superficial but surround yourself with people that you want to become and rise up to them but don't hate on yourself for not being there and as we approach 2021 you know, in 2020, for a lot of reasons, stunted us with what we wanted to do. We wanted to travel. We wanted to do a lot of things. But we have to look at it as a, as a time where it might have provided us a base. This might have been the bone density we needed to get to the next thing. A foundation for a strong house. Yeah. yeah. And, and it might not look that way in some sort of linear way. But I know I obviously have been home a lot more than normal. This might not always be the case, but what a gift it was to like not just be swimming in the deep end. That's my whole thing this whole year has been for once since I was in my early 20s, I haven't felt broke and swimming in the deep end. And that and I am a I am like a brawny bullish kind of guy where I will muscle through. You've seen me do those 60-hour Uber weeks where like I come home with one eye barely open. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't crash my car. And I'm just barely surviving. And that does not, what that might feel good. Like, oh, okay. I, you know, that feels good for the work ethic, but to have the, to have the chance to be in the shallows and not feel desperate. And actually in, 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 for a lot of reasons that might have not, that might not have been everyone's 2020, but for me, that's what it was. Like something that physically forced me to slow down and reprioritize and just look at things. And we've seen like just the growth in other ways where it's like, I'm worth more as a, as a voice than I am as, you know, a driver. I'm worth more as someone who's going to relate to others on a, on a platform than I am as whatever. But we live in this world where when you want to do something creative, you're almost forced to do the BS jobs that suck your soul. Then you have to like refine who you are and maybe you're better. Like I almost feel like, okay, I had jobs that broke me down. Now I'm glued back together. And you would think that being glued back together is weaker than the original product. 
but it's almost not because I know where I came from. I have the gratitude to know that I came from situations that I never want to go back to. I never want to have to do some of these side jobs. I never want to have to think small and short-sighted and week-to-week and day-to-day. And I want to think bigger picture. And you can't write the screenplay and think a bigger picture when you're worried about, can you afford Christmas presents that year? So, it, so it's really about like finding... And, but you can't tell someone, let me... Oh, let's just... You know, you can't tell someone to just think bigger picture. It's like you just have to get out of your own way. You know what I mean? There's this thing. I, when you started talking about it, it, it made me think of it. I wanted to bring it up. So I'm, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but it's called kintsugi, I think. Uh, also known as golden joinery or golden repair. Kintsukuroi. Uh, it's the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery by mending the areas with um, lacquer dusted or mixed with powdered gold, silver, or platinum. I think the gold is the most popular. But repairing broken pottery with gold. And it's like, back to your analogy, like, you know, not necessarily stronger, but more beautiful, right? To be repaired to be rebuilt. And in some ways it is stronger to see someone who's like got scar tissue and they've got a story and they've came from somewhere. And sometimes in society you see these young, beautiful people and it's not like you shouldn't hate young beauty, but there isn't as much a story to tell as that person with the, you know, the crow's feet and the sunburnt nose and, (laughs) and the alcohol vacillary kind of, you know, you know what I mean? Where it's like that person they lived on a sailboat. They've got some skin damage. Well, you liked, you know, life experience counts for something, right? Yeah, and again, I don't say this as like saying everyone should live a life of misery, but and I never felt I've never felt that I have lived a life of misery, but I do feel like I have uh put in certain dues that let me feel confident telling my story now. You've earned your stripes. Yeah. So to speak. And, but and in some ways I feel imposter syndrome. And again, what I'm about to tell you by no way is me co-signing this, but I did my up on the rooftop vlog and it was just me. I put a camera up there and it was a windy day. I put two mic foam covers on on this one right here. I I took one of them off, but I had a second one. It was so windy. I put that mic foam cover on that and I just went up there and I just started ranting. And And again, I feel stupid saying this, but someone was like, oh man, you're like Dave Chappelle. And I was like, shut up, first of all, because that's like, a he's a modern philosopher but like i still but like i want i i've lived through the life of like grit grit and balls where i'm trying to just survive and a lot of comics can't have a relationship through those years a lot of comics can't give their time to someone else while they still figure out what their identity is because it's hard and you i didn't give you credit for sticking with me because like you you know agreed to marry a guy who's not that um, successful in a monetary way who doesn't have a lot of things that other people might have but like I've just been depositing you know my retirement on equity of like the, my voice and what I want to talk about and you as well and um, you know when it comes to Christmas it's like what do I want for Christmas well I just this is it like I don't I don't want much of anything material because everything I value in life is like experiential and and with those that I love and, and just sharing our story. So that for me, my greatest feeling with like the podcast and YouTube and all that is just the chance to relate to others and share what my story is and not in a way that's any better or worse than anyone else's, but just 
I get it because I'm, I'm going through it myself. And what I've learned, what I, what I feel like I've learned is that how can somebody else uh, shoot for their dreams? You know, you got Ben out there in Pittsburgh. He's always commenting on like uh, s- saying he appreciates me talk about my hustle because like I don't want people to think, oh, you know, I just hit the record button and I feel good and the day's over. No, I got nights where I'm conniving and feeling like a piece of shit and other issues and not feeling. Conniving? Do you even know what that means? Yeah, I'm, I'm, well, you don't think I'm conniving? You don't think I'm up there going, how can I get this thing I want to get? Scheming. Scheming. Scheming's a good word. I'm always scheming. It's pinky in the brain. Conniving is like very underhanded. Well, I'm pinky in the brain. I'm always looking, how can I get what I need to get so I can get my, my thing going? And... Yeah, I mean, you you know, when all you see is finished products, which, like you said, is a lot of social media or YouTube or whatever, all you see are these, mis- the Mr. Beasts of YouTube, you know, people who are wildly successful. It's hard to know what the roadmap is for you to get there yourself, for you to follow your dreams. And, like, you know, as an artist, it's funny, you know, like, as a kid, <laughs> I... We, we're, you know, we're just talking about like, oh, what informs like who you are today? Uh, boy, I was told so many things that I could never be. Couldn't be an astronaut, not good enough at math. Couldn't be a ballerina because their joints are done by age 20. <laughs> Couldn't be an artist because artists are poor. You know, but that's that's not necessarily true these days. If you have a dream, you should be able to follow it. Even if it isn't your retirement plan. You know what I mean? Even if nobody makes money being a professional dancer, because it is hard to make money being a professional dancer, you know, there's no reason that can't be a part of your life as an adult. That's no reason. I mean, there's plenty of successful dancers out there. So you you have just a shot as anybody else if you really believe in something and you really want to follow your dream. But it does make it harder to achieve those goals when you don't see a roadmap anywhere. Because you don't know anyone else who's done it. Yeah, it's you know um, it's not as simple as following the path of being a doctor or a pharmacist because you it it's laid out right in front of you. you go to this school, you take this test, you pass this exam. But of course, you have bingo. a higher chance of being a doctor if your mom's a doctor. There's a um, there was I was watching a football game and the punt returner. They were like, "Yo, he's a rookie," but his parents were both Olympic track and field runners, and it's like, "Bingo!" This guy knew he was fast. This guy went to the track with his parents. This and guy, everybody told him he could. Ran out of the womb. And everyone told him he could, and people conspired to make it happen. Right? His coaches gave him extra attention. Right? They they herded him into the best school, whatever it is. But like you know, it, in a lot of creative fields, a lot of newer type, you know, like internet marketing, influencing, like all of that stuff. It's it's brand new, and people are just kind of figuring it out as they go. So there's not a roadmap in front of you, and you might not necessarily have a person who can help walk you through. Like here are the things you should know. Yeah. There's yeah, and, and and I think with the internet, yeah, it is becoming more transparent. But like, yes, me, like I got into stand up after going to watch somebody else do a uh, showcase show, which you eventually came to my showcase show as a friend when we were just friends, my first show ever. But I had done that show because several months earlier, my first week in LA, I I was invited to that show. So uh, it's like a cult in that way. And then I got to see bad comics work on their jokes. So it's no surprise to me that I was able to see the roadmap because stand-up comedy is done in in the public's eye you 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 work on things in front of an audience if you just see someone doing beethoven's fifth on the piano you don't know how they got there and they were able to tinker and coach and this and that all the way there 
So, so that's why I, I have been always comfortable sharing my sort of, um, my, uh, my, my life and, and the things that have worked and haven't worked because, you know, I, I'm just a, like the, figuring it out well, like I'm, everybody else. I'm blue, I'm blue collar with that. I went to business school. I don't know how cameras are. I'm not supposed to know how cameras work, but all I've done is study camera and sound. And, and while it's like, I take it for granted when I explain things to other people that don't know, it's like, Oh, I've got value with knowing what these things do and how they work together. So uh, to wrap it all up with vlogmas, this, this, um, sort of journey of doing 25 straight days of video content that's highly edited, put together. I shouldn't have known how to do this and didn't know how to do this 10 years ago, but you didn't even know how to do it last year. I didn't know how to do it last year. I knew how to do it like once every few months I could put a video (laughs) together. But then once you realize it, what I've had to learn is perfection is the enemy of good. Good's okay. If I can make a product, say, I I made a video a couple of days ago and I forgot to, I mean, you saw, you saw me last night. I fell asleep at the computer. I was kind of kidding, like, oh, I'll pass out. And then I passed out. Like you've seen me sleeping at the, at my laptop, trying to, trying to like finish these products. And uh, many times I'm up at 2 AM just hitting the final buttons on it, but I've made mistakes. I've got typos in some of them. Some of the aspect ratios off and you see the black, the black bars because I forgot to size it appropriately. And I would say 98% this is day 21 today. So I've made 20 days average of 10 minute of video. So I made 200 minutes of, I've made several, I made a Titanic movie worth of content by myself or, you know, with obviously your help. I'm not, I'm not trying to say you haven't been a part of it, but I'm saying like without a production crew or someone looking over my shoulder saying, or do an this editor. and we're an editor. Or a director. And of course the editing is <laughs> the worst part, but I've been able to just run and gun. And with the only the only motivation being that I told people I would do this. So it's like, there have been days when it's like the afternoon and it's like, this is the darkest time of the year. The sun's setting at four o'clock and it's like, there's been days where the sun's about to go down and I haven't started rolling on that day's footage yet. And I'm like, I got to get going. I like, like for tomorrow, this is it. This is the video for tomorrow. This is probably the easiest because it's just, you know, it's just editing the, um, multi-camera together it's a little different than normal but you know we're trying to put together drone shots and this and that is but i've been in parking lots of starbucks and dunkin donuts running my drone meeting strangers they're like hey what are you doing there neighbor today at starbucks the guy's like oh you were shooting vlogs last night (laughs) at walgreens the guy's like oh you a youtuber (laughs) like i'm like i'm like first of all i hate talking to strangers about stuff like that but i'm also like walking around with a camera being like I guess I am. I mean, I guess I am. And I've always like kind of like put myself above that type of stuff because when you hear a YouTuber, you're like, what up fam? How you doing? Smash the like button with your head, you know, like stupid stuff. And I'm like, well, maybe I'm becoming that. I don't know. But the, but uh, hey, if that equals dollar signs, yeah. And again, honey, smash the like button with your head. <laughs> smash that with your dick. <laughs> Hit on. But um, if, if, yeah, again, and it all comes down to uh, don't rent out your time. So if, if that's equity I invest in myself, the one, one year ago, like this week, is when I purchased Adobe, um, the Adobe Suite, which is $45 a month, Premiere. Mm-hmm. I'm able to, the Adobe, it's a cloud-based service, so you buy it, but on a monthly basis. It used to be for 200 bucks, you'd get Photoshop. Now it's like, no, you pay monthly. Well, it was more than that. I think I paid like 600 or something it's for a lot the of, student discount. It was very expensive, but it, it was is. like a lifetime purchase. But now it's made me a lot of money. Month. It's made me money because well, I've used the tools. That, I don't want you to sell yourself. I think this has been very creatively fulfilling for you. 
I think it has. Like, yes, it's been a challenge, but everyone loves. I mean, what you get I such spelled, a rush <laughs> when you overcome a challenge. What, what did right? I spell? What have I spelled Christmas or Vlogmas out of? I, I cooked bacon and made it say Christmas and Vlogmas. You did it with the marker. I, 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 I don't know if you knew the this, dog but I, I did it with dog biscuits. And I spelt it, I spelt Christmas or Vlogmas into um, the dust on the window upstairs. I spit on my finger and I wrote it into the dust. What window? On, on the window on the top of the roof. I went up, I, I climbed, Gross, I climbed the fire babe. escape to the top of the roof at sunset. And my final shot, and I'm going to tell you right now, my final shot of Vlogmas on Christmas Day or whenever the hell this thing ends. I don't know if it's Christmas Eve <laughs> or Christmas Day. My final shot, well, I haven't shot this, but I, I'm going to smoke a cigar with my Santa's hat on, on the roof as the drone floats away into the sunset. All Mark right. my words. That's, Whatever you that's say. how this ends. I'm just saying, look how excited you're getting about all of your fun, creative <laughs> ideas. I'm serious. I, you know, it's, it's, I think been a fun, creative and fulfilling challenge for what you. Would, thank you. And it has. And what would be probably better is if I was part of a YouTuber community, <laughs> because none of my friends really get what the hell I'm doing. And I understand that in a lot of stand-up comedians, some, some do YouTube. The thing is when you, when you talk about, when you talk about knowing a doctor to become one or knowing the path, the Avenue, I know some comedians that are millionaires because of YouTube, because they have found a global market to share their story. I've gotten phone calls on my live stream from South Africa, from Brazil, from Canada, from all over. And you go, whoa, there is a much bigger chance than, you know, me performing in East Hollywood. So I do see the value of the global market there. And even if Vlogmas isn't a wild success for me this year, it has been it has been a graduate degree in making quick content fast. In yeah. investing in things like I invested in Epidemic Sounds, which is $15 a month, but it's a license-free um uh, it's a license free music, music, which which is way better. If you listen to my vlogs from uh, December first to the second versus December third to the twentieth, every video you ever you have ever made me is the cheesiest fourth grade project I've ever seen. It's always like this. I'll play I'll play something for you. It's always just like this, which isn't too bad. But now, but now, what we have is stuff like this. This is uh, so basically what I'm saying is I'm gonna need you to remake every video you've <laughs> ever made me because I need a uh, good content for our. Blog. So for Christmas, I want everyone to give themselves the gift of investing in themselves. Give yourself the tools you need to tell your story to the best that you can, and don't skimp. Doesn't mean you need to blow your whole savings on a camera. The tool might be something free. It might be the time. The tool might be having the time invested in yourself. The tool might be uh, time management. You know, for me, it's like really important to get a, a really good calendar every year. Tasha loves a good calendar. I love a good calendar. I put this in one of my vlogs recently because you were looking at the calendars going, oh, is this a good calendar? She lo Tasha loves a new calendar. It's but a part know, of her like, year. But you know, like set yourself up with the resources you need to succeed. And that might not, that might be spending money on a cord or a camera or, or sounds or whatever. But that might be just like, you know, talking to the people you need to talk to, asking questions. Yeah. Learning, growth mindset. So that's the Christmas gift I wish to give all of you. I appreciate everyone who stuck with us during a very interesting and trying year. 
I know a lot of people that listen to the podcast are no longer listening because they don't go to work anymore and other things like that. So while while we work through this whole thing, uh, just know that I appreciate you guys sticking around. Um, for everyone who's on the Patreon, Christmas cards are on the way. If you want to be a part of the Patreon, we do extra uh, solo and uh, road trip episodes every uh, couple episodes a month, two to four a month, and that's uh, patreon.com slash the sap, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash T-H-E-S-A-P. The sap, the Patreon community has been um, uh, paramount in helping us upgrade our equipment to really tell our story. And of course, Tasha, uh, best fiance I could have for Christmas. While we will be away from a lot of the ones we loved, we will be with each other and the love we have will uh, be, be enough for us on Christmas morning. Plus we have some cool presents to open up. So we, um, I'm, I'm feeling overwhelmed in a good way with Christmas joy this 2020. And I hope you feel that as well. So, uh, Without further ado, I'll play a song from Epidemic Sounds to end us. This is called Christmas in LA, which is where we'll be this year. Write in sexactuallypodcast at gmail.com. Tasha's Instagram is at Tasha Courtney. Go over there. She always loves it when you uh, comment and share her photos and all that stuff. Everyone loves it when uh, everyone reach out to Tasha. Say hi to Tasha. And I'm at D Neals, D N E A L Z. Anything else we need to say? Uh, check out Dave's uh, YouTube videos. Check out the Vlogmas videos. There's really cute video of Boone that I've been sharing around. And also, please check out our blog, our travel blog. It's wearetravels.com slash blog. We've got a lot of fun stories up there. And Dave actually uh, owes me a uh, road trip story from last year where just our, our newest blog post is reminiscing about last year's Christmas road trip since we will be stuck right here in L.A. this year. Uh, we can reminisce about our good times road tripping cross country. So get that bone density underneath you, folks, and get ready to take the leap into the next level of life. This was, our, this was our Christmas episode. So we will see you next week after Christmas. Feel free to share with us all the Christmas gifts you got. And I guess we'll be talking about our Christmas gifts. We'll do a Christmas gift review episode next week. Oh and um, all right, this song is called Christmas in LA. Bye, everybody. Sing with me, Tasha. Christmas time in LA. I think your voice is improving. Can't you see the
There's three minutes left to the song. It's a really good song. the shit out of this song. Listening is on them. Christmas, everybody. See you next week.